Okay, well, Advent, this, uh, I love this season. I don't know about you, I love the Advent season. I mean, it really is the most wonderful time of the And uh, in fact, uh, yesterday we had our grandchildren come and decorate the tree, and, um, which is always fun. We have no control over our decorations in our house. They, and, uh, but it just reminds me uh, of how wonderful Christmas is in the eyes of children. It reminded me of my seven-year-old self, uh, you know, going to bed on Christmas Eve, buzzing, buzzing with excitement and anticipation uh, for what the morning would bring. And then finally, eventually, getting off to sleep and then waking up at the break of dawn, running downstairs, seeing that the glowing Christmas tree, all those sparkling presents, and, you know, you just can't believe it, and wow, you know. Yep, there we go. And every year, as a young child, I had absolute confidence I would not be disappointed. And really, that's what hope is like. Not a wishful thinking kind of hope, but a solid hope like we find in the Bible. And we all of us need that kind of hope in our lives, don't we? The hope of a seven-year-old child waking up on Christmas morning. Now, of course, sadly for many people, Christmas is not a happy time of year, and it can be hard, uh, especially you know, when you're alone or you've lost loved ones, or maybe there's been a breakdown in relationships, in uh, marriages, and so on. And for many people in in the world, uh, this year has been a particularly dark one, especially when you consider the the wars and the violence, um, and the suffering caused by earthquakes, and and so on. And so it's you know it's hard to go through such things or to think about those who do when you don't have hope. But that's what Advent is really all about because it reminds us there is hope. Advent comes from the Latin word Adventus which means arrival or coming and we light these Advent candles to uh, remind us about the coming of Jesus, that with the coming of Jesus a light has shone in the darkness. And it's a light that cannot be extinguished. And one day he'll be coming again and the candle won't be needed anymore. Right? We won't need reminding because the night will be over. The morning will have come. It'll be the break of a new day and all our hopes and dreams will be fulfilled in a newly restored world. It'll be chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, said C.S. Lewis. A story which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Now, many of us here, we believe that. I know. But it's hard to hold on to sometimes, isn't it? You know, we don't always feel like a seven-year-old child waiting for Christmas morning. The darkness 
can get a little overwhelming at times. But it's into that darkness that the light has come. And that's why the first candle that we light at Advent is the hope candle. And my prayer is that our hope will burn a little brighter today. And also that we would become hope bearers to others. So let's turn now to God's word and consider a woman who is only given three verses in the whole Bible, yet her life speaks loudly and clearly about Advent hope. Her name is Anna. I spoke about her uh, two, three years ago. I want us to consider her again, and we'll find her in Luke chapter 2, when the baby Jesus was presented at the temple, as was the custom, and we're introduced to two elderly people there who had been waiting all their lives for the advent, for the arrival of the Messiah. One was a man called Simeon, and the other was Anna. Simeon had been told by the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he had seen the Messiah. And so on the day when Jesus' parents brought him to the temple, the Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go there. And when he saw the baby Jesus, this is what he says from Luke 2. It says, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servants in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And it says he's blessing the family that... Anna then arrives on the scene. And this is what it says about Anna. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. And coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And Lord, we pray right now, as we come to your word, Holy Spirit, will you open our hearts today to receive all that you have for us. Lord, to bring, I pray, new life and fresh hope into lives here this morning. Be glorified, Lord Jesus, through your living word we pray. Amen. Anna was a woman who did not lose hope. Um, Just imagine her life, right? She was married for just seven years before losing her husband. I mean, imagine losing your spouse at such a young age. She was probably in in her early 20s. Um, and now she's 84, and she's been a widow most of her life. And in that culture, you know, losing your husband meant poverty, it meant hardship, loneliness. If you had children, that would be some consolation, but there's no mention of children here. How easy would it have been to have felt bitter and to have lived with self-pity? You know, why me? Maybe you've asked yourself that question. 
Maybe there are things that have happened in your life. Or maybe there are things that have not happened in your life that have left you with disappointment and heartache. Life doesn't always turn out how we want, does it? But Anna was not looking back on her life with regret. She was looking forward with hope. There was something greater that she was looking forward to, something that she longed for more than the husband, more than children, more than even sleep, it seems. And it was this hope-filled anticipation that caused her to worship night and day, like a child waiting for Christmas Day. How do we know that? Well, look at her reaction. When she saw her hope was being fulfilled, that the Messiah had been born, she praised God, and she couldn't help but tell everyone about it. But for Anna, you know, it wasn't just hope in the midst of some personal hardship. It was also hope for her people who were longing for the redemption of Jerusalem. Because as you may know, they were living in very dark and difficult times. Uh, The Jewish people had been oppressed for centuries. They were now under the Roman boot and ruled by their puppet king, Herod the Great, infamous for putting to death all the firstborn male babies in in Bethlehem. Even the Jewish leaders uh, in the temple where Anna worshipped were known to be corrupt. Right? They were supposed to be taking care of the widows, but Jesus later condemned them for their neglect and their abuse. Right? It would have been so easy to have felt bitter and disillusioned towards those in authority, the government, right? the religious leaders, to despair about the political and the religious state of the nation. And again, maybe you feel that way today. But Anna's hope was not in those things. She spent her time praying and fasting, looking and longing for the Messiah, the only one who could redeem them. And as someone who had walked with God for many years, she would have known the scriptures and the Old Testament prophecies, like from the prophet Isaiah, the well-known prophecy from Isaiah 9. Let's read it. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. For to us, he says, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. She would have no doubt lived with that promise. And what's more, Luke says, Anna herself was a prophet. It's likely she also was prophesying the coming of the Messiah and calling people to look for him and to pray for his arrival. Now, there were actually several groups in Israel at that time who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Right? They wanted to see God's kingdom to come and for his government to be established on earth. But they all had different views about how they thought that should be accomplished. 
So there were the politically motivated Sadducees, who seemed happy to cooperate with the Romans to achieve their own ends. There were the Pharisees, who were more like a religious separatist group. Uh, they were uh, trying to keep themselves pure and hoping for the Messiah to come and destroy all their enemies. Then there were the Zealots, who were the kind of religious nationalists who were prepared to take the nation back by force if necessary. There was a fourth group called the Essenes, but they kind of opted out altogether. Uh, they essentially built a bunker in the desert and were waiting for Armageddon. But like Anna, they would have all known the scriptures and the prophecies about the coming Messiah. And apart from the Essenes, any number of them would have been present in the temple that day when Jesus, the baby, was being presented. And here's the thing. They all missed him. They all missed him. They were so focused on their own agenda, they walked right past him. No one recognized the Messiah except old Simeon and Anna, who were rewarded because they were looking and longing for the coming king. You know, perhaps we should ask ourselves, where have we placed our hope? Is it in Jesus? Or is it in Jesus and something? You know, if I could just have this, then I could feel more hopeful about my future. You know, whether that's a job, finances, health, relationship. Or if our nation could only have this, there would be hope for us all. But you see, if this is not Jesus, and only Jesus, we're going to be disappointed. Because only Jesus will not let us down. Only Jesus can redeem us and give us hope for the future. Because he's been the hope of mankind since the very beginning. Listen, when we start to despair about our lives or the world around us, we've got to step back and remind ourselves of the story that we are in. It's so important that we do that. That the reason why there is so much darkness and destruction in the world is because man, instead of trusting God's goodness, thought he knew better than God. Thought that he could be as God. That's what we see in Genesis 3. It's what's being played out across our world every day. But it was that sin that opened the door for Satan and all the powers of darkness to come in and take possession of the world. And yet, Right at the outset, God met man's sin with his amazing grace, as he's done time and time again. Right? He made a promise, a promise that one day a rescuer, a redeemer would come, that one day a child would be born who would crush Satan's head. And so it was in the fullness of time God sent his son to those who were walking in darkness, a light had come. Anna saw it in the temple that day, just as Isaiah had prophesied. She knew the story she was in, you see? 
She knew the story she was in. And that's why she was praying and prophesying, looking for the promised child to be born. And when Jesus grew up, he confirmed what Anna prophesied, that he was the one, right? As he began exercising authority over sicknesses and storms, over demons and even death, they were signs that the king had come to put things right and to claim what was rightfully his. It was the kingdom of heaven invading the kingdom of Satan. But of course, Satan wasn't just going to stand by, was he? And see Jesus take his kingdom. So he unleashed all the forces of hell to try and crush Jesus. And he succeeded in having him put to death on the cross. But just when he thought he'd won, just when he thought he'd extinguished the light, extinguished all hope, Jesus rose from the dead. That's where we all cheer. Because let's enter this story, folks. Jesus gained a decisive victory over Satan's sin and death by conquering the grave and ascending to the right hand of the Father. And in so doing, he determined the final outcome for our world and for all who will trust in him when he comes again. Right? The end of the story has already been decided. The time is drawing near when the night will be over, when evil will be eradicated, every wrong will be put right, death will be no more, suffering will cease, everything will be made new. It will be like the breaking of dawn where all darkness flees and Jesus will be our light forever. Hallelujah! Listen, that's the story that we are a part of. Which is why there's hope. However dark things may seem, there is hope. And it's hope that keeps us going. And that's why we, we all respond so much to stories about hope, don't we? What do you think is the number one movie on IMDb out of 250 movies? What do you think is the number one movie? Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank Redemption. Why? Because it's a story about hope. If you've read the book or seen the movie, if you've seen the movie, you know Morgan Freeman plays the character uh, Red. His name is Red. He's in prison. He has no hope. He's hopeless. He's been ground down by the system. But then he meets a new inmate called Andy who's been wrongly convicted and given life imprisonment. But rather than despairing about his situation, Andy looks to the future. And that's what enables him to endure the hard years. As he likes to say, get busy living or get busy dying. So instead of letting them grind him down, as a former accountant, he does all the guards' tax returns and ends up laundering money for the warden, money that he puts under a false name that he plans to later take for himself. And then one day, he tells Red, if he ever gets out of Shawshank, he should go to a certain town, find a certain cornfield, 
in which there'll be a certain tree. And under that tree, there'll be some rocks. And under those rocks, you'll find a little tin can in which there'll be some money which he should use to cross the border into Mexico and go to this Mexican fishing village where they will have a better life. And so not long afterwards, Andy escapes from prison. Red is paroled, and so he goes to this town. He finds the tree and the little tin can and the money and also a letter that Andy has written him. And in the letter, this is what Andy says. He says, here's the quote, Red, never forget, hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. No good thing ever dies. I love stories about hope. But God's story really is the greatest story of all. It is the ultimate story of hope. It's the story by which all other stories are measured. And it's a story that we are invited into where the main character is Jesus and he is the one who gives us a hope that can never die. Right? That's what this candle is reminding us of this morning. It's the hope of Advent. It reminds us A saviour has now come. The light of heaven has now come into the world. To us, a child has been born, just as Anna witnessed. But it also reminds us that the saviour is coming again. And of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, of course, in the meantime, we live between the two advents, don't we? And while the outcome is certain... There is still darkness in the world. We still have an enemy. Satan is still present in our world with control over countless lives. There's still suffering, violence, and heartache. And at times, darkness threatens to overwhelm us. It threatens to rob us of our hope, which is exactly what the enemy wants, to get us to live with regrets, self-pity, with bitterness and fear. He wants to grind you down. Snuff out that candle of hope. Make you give up on it. Give up on God. Give up on people. Give up on yourself. Give up on life. And maybe there's someone here today or someone listening in to this message and you've been having those dark thoughts I want to encourage you this morning to do as Anna did and look to Jesus she spent her life longing for him to come and we are in a similar situation as we long for him to come again and put things right except we have an even greater reason for hope than Anna had Right? She had the prophetic words. She had the promise of Jesus. We have the person of Jesus. Right? Listen to Peter in his second letter. He says, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you would do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Right? 
These prophetic words were confirmed. They were fulfilled with the coming of Jesus. So Peter says we must pay attention. Keep focused on him until the night is over. Right? He is our lamp shining in a dark place. And not only that, his light has not just come into the world, it's also come into our hearts. Okay, this is personal. If your hope is in Jesus today, if you are trusting in him and looking to him, it's because you have his light within you. His light has shone into your heart. And no amount of darkness can put out that light. Right? It's a light that can never be overcome. It will never be snuffed out. When we all leave this building later on, I'm going to snuff that candle out and it'll all be dark in here. That will never happen to you. That will never happen to you. This is just a symbol pointing to the reality, right? But the reality is inside of you. A light that will never be extinguished. As Paul wrote to the Colossians, here we are. He said, it's Christ in you the hope of glory. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. So however weak your faith may feel right now, if it feels like a candle that's just flickering, just spluttering in the wind, know this, it cannot go out. It will never go out because Christ is within you and he lives forevermore. Hallelujah. Right? That's why our hope is also a living hope. The Bible calls it a living hope. It's what Peter called it when he was writing to encourage Christians going through a difficult time. Let's read what he says in 1 Peter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Ready to be revealed when Jesus comes again. Listen, do you have that living hope? Do you have that living hope? It's a living hope because Jesus is our hope and he's alive forevermore. And if Christ is in you, so will you. Which means you don't have to look back with regrets. You don't have to look around at the world in despair. You can look forward with hope because you know the best is yet to come. Right? So instead of getting busy dying, we need to start getting busy living. Amen? So I pray that every one of us here today will have that kind of hope. Like a child who cannot wait for the break of dawn on Christmas Day. As Billy Graham once wrote, Earth's troubles fade in the light of heaven's hope. And if you know that, if you have this hope in Jesus, listen, we cannot keep this good news to ourselves. We must share it with others. Right? I'm preaching to myself now. We mustn't get sidetracked. We need to get busy. Because Jesus is coming again. 
The night will soon be over, but in the meantime, there are countless people living in hopeless desperation who desperately need to have the hope that Jesus offers them. How will they know unless we tell them about Jesus? Let's be like Anna, who it says there in verse 38, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. And again, we've got so much more reason to be thankful and hopeful. What Anna saw in part, we can see in full. Jesus didn't just come to redeem his people in Jerusalem, but he came for all mankind. And there are still many, many lives waiting to be redeemed. Now, you might be thinking, how can God use me? Well, again, consider Anna, and I'll close with this, okay? Luke says she was from the tribe of Asher, which is interesting because Asher was one of the northern tribes of Israel which had been lost during the exile. They'd been forgotten. It's like they didn't exist anymore. And yet, here is Anna. What's more, she's a woman. She's a widow. And she's elderly. In that culture, she was a nobody. She, it's like she didn't even exist. But you know how God loves to use nobodies, don't you? So you think no one will listen to your testimony of how you met Jesus. Don't you believe it? Right? Anna's testimony is still being read today. And your testimony can also live on through countless other people as you point them to Jesus, the hope of the world. Here's a great quote. I'm drawing this to a close, but let's read this. God mandates that we go out into the streets and the alleys and the highways and the byways. He mandates that we find the poor, the blind, the disabled and the lame and help them get busy living because misery might love company, but joy craves a crowd. And the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit crave a crowd of joy. Joy spilling over and splashing and filling the hearts of thirsty people in this world who are absolutely dehydrated from a lack of hope. Those words were spoken by someone overflowing with joy and hope. Do you know who wrote that? Joni Erickson Tada who at the age of 17 had an accident and became quadriplegic. She's now 74, having suffered for the last 57 years not being able to use her limbs. And yet, like Anna, she's not looked back with regrets. She's only looked forward and helped millions of others find hope in Jesus through her writings. As she said, the way I see it, she says, I've been given so much. Just think about that for a second. She says, I've been given so much. I must pass on the blessing. We simply must, must pass on the hope to others. So this Advent season, let's look for opportunities to share our hope and light a candle in many people's lives. Amen? Amen. Yes, Father, we thank you that you are our Father and that you're the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We want to pray today, Lord, that you would bring your light and hope into all the places, all the nations, all the people groups in this world where there's strife, darkness, warfare, 
and Lord, that your name and your glory and your salvation would prevail. Lord, you spoke in your word and you said the implements of warfare between the nations and between people are a false hope of salvation. But the true hope, the real hope for all the nations is your steadfast love revealed through Jesus Christ, your son. Lord, we pray that through this message of your son, Jesus, and his resurrection from the dead, Lord, that multitudes who dwell in hopeless darkness all over the world would be born again into that living hope that only you can give. Lord, we want to especially pray for some who are going through very perilous times in the nations. We pray for the Israelis and the Palestinians who are suffering much because of war and violence in their land. And we pray, Lord, that multitudes of them would come to know you as the only Savior, the only Lord, Jesus Christ, our hope for all eternity. And we pray this in the name of Jesus today, who is the hope of the nations. Amen.